Okay, uh, we will go. Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of Conquest of the Useless podcast. And I am a massively privileged to have as my first guest, Joe Twyman, uh, co-founder of Delta Poll, probably the best polling organization in Britain. Uh, so That's very kind and indeed accurate. Thank you very much. <laughs> so today we're going to be taking something that was in uh, a DM sort of back and forth that Joe and I had the other day and uh, turning it into audio content because I just like to reuse everything. Um, and we'll be talking about Kanye West and Kanye West prospects uh, as a presidential candidate. It's safe to say that I take his 2020 run more seriously than Joe does. Uh, so, yeah, that's where we're going. So I guess, Joe, do you want to start off with your kind of position on this? Uh, uh, well, my position is uh, is relatively simple, actually. I, I first the first thing I would say is I don't think uh, I don't think this is the kind of thing that should be laughed off. I don't. I really don't think there's anything no I agree. Or, or amusing uh, or amusing about this. And and of course, I I say this as someone who, while not an expert in American politics, is a, is an active observer in such uh, in such things. And of course, I guess we should we should begin this conversation by saying that in the era of coronavirus really any kind of expectations about things is uh, uh, is difficult and and while we can't be certain about many things i think i think we can be heavily certain about the uh, the possible levels of success for uh, for Kanye West in uh, in any presidential bid and a lot of comparisons has been have been made with uh, with Donald uh, Donald Trump and uh, and people saying oh well hang on Donald Trump wasn't taken seriously, and, and he uh, managed to get it. But I, I think making the comparison is perhaps is perhaps ill judged because when looking at these things, it's important to understand where the exception is and where the rule is. And Donald Trump, yes, was a certainly for many people a, a surprise candidate for the Republicans and indeed then eventual presidential winner. Uh, but a lot of the objections that people had to him were ideologically uh, ideologically based. I think before we even get on to that... Hello? Uh, sorry. Uh, my, sorry, my echoes just started talking to me. Sorry, let me, uh, let me start that bit again. Before we get on to any of that, however... I think we need to look at the logistical difficulties that uh, that Kanye West faces. I mean, overlooking any kind of uh, kind of discussion about ideology, or before we even get to that. So, before uh, we get down into the logistics, the one thing I just want thing I want to say is, I, I where we I think we agree is I don't think Kanye West is going to win the presidential election this year, right? I and and he's already said himself. He said a line where he basically said, if God decides it this year, then it's this year. And if he doesn't, it's 2024, right? I think this is like a stalking horse run, a kind of spoiler run, um, which is kind of going to, at best, will damage Biden and at worst is just nothing. And do you, so do you think he will actually run or do you think he's making a lot of noise now in order to really uh, set out the uh, set out the kind of groundwork that he needs to do for 2024? I mean, it's really hard with him because I, I, I in the same way that it's hard. To, some Well, it used to be hard to know what Trump would do. But now we know the Trump patterns uh, with Kanye. He he's. You know, he's got well-documented mental health issues, and he's also a, a a very interesting thinker anyway. 
So for me, I don't know what he'll do, but I guess my summation, or you know, I surmise that this is a kind of he might actually run, but I don't think he's running with the sense that he thinks he'll win. But I think if he runs and he, you know, can get on debates, for instance, which is obviously by no means a foregone conclusion, he's suddenly got this platform that increases his visibility and he does have a policy platform. So I think, you know, after we talked about logistics, we need to talk about the policy platform because although it sounds like a joke, I think he, he has quite a defined policy platform perhaps even more so than you know trump 2016 did but let's let's talk about logistics and you you bring bring in the logistics element that you want to talk about yeah so so the logistics i think is an important part uh before we get on to discuss about the ideology because uh because there's various hoops that he has to jump through and those hoops thanks to various uh constitutional uh rules both at the national and the state level make it quite difficult to uh, to stretch um in in the definitive book on third parties in uh, in American politics Ron Rappaport and uh, Walter Stone's Three's a Crowd uh, they talk about Ross Perot's run in uh, in 1992. Now, Ross Perot uh, won 19% of the vote in uh, in 1992, which is astonishing for a third party in American, a uh, third candidate rather in American politics. And he only began his campaign in February of that year, so he's a little bit ahead of Kanye, but he still started very very late. Uh, but they say that uh, that without a large and active army of supporters the Perot campaign would have been stillborn. Uh, And the reason for that is that you need to get signatures in order to get on the ballot. It's that uh, that simple. Now, Kanye has already, uh, even on the the 9th of uh, June, missed out on getting on the ballot in North Carolina, Texas, New Mexico, and Indiana. By tomorrow, Nevada will, uh, will add to that. And so by tomorrow, that means 75 of the 538 electoral college votes have already gone. He, in Hold his- on, though. Hold on, though. It, uh, what we need to uh, uh, address there, though, is, and look, again, this is your, I know what you're going to say when I say this, but I'm saying it regardless for the listener. It is possible to, to have writing candidates in those states, though, isn't it? It is possible to have writing candidates in those states, and the um, uh, and the deadline for writing candidates for most states is not till September or October. Yeah, so it, is, uh, it is possible. Would, one thing I would say there then is we have to take into account that Kanye West has incredible name recognition. He's world famous. His wife is world famous, and they have a lot of money. So if he wanted to feasibly, well, he could run possibly the most virally effective writing campaign uh going and in recent times it has been in senatorial elections but there have been at least two congressional and senatorial elections that i can uh, bring to mind in in the past two cycles where writing candidates have won so it's not impossible Uh, well uh, it's improbable in in I mean, yes. Technically speaking, he could be a uh, he could be a writing candidate, and that's uh, and that's true. Uh, but there had, and you're right that in certain um, uh, in certain uh, local races, whether it's a state or regional race, then writing candidates have been successful. But those tend to be very exceptional local circumstances, and yeah. certainly at presidential level, writing candidates have never been anything approaching successful. I would agree with you when you say that he could have the most successful writing campaign in presidential history, but that's like saying he could be the tallest of Snow White's housemates. It's yeah. really not much of yeah, a, not a big but, win. But where, the, where, 
Where I would also disagree, however, is when you say that he has uh, he has very good name recognition and he has a lot of money. Um, well, his I'm wife not, does. Not, I'm not saying for one and and that his wife has a lot of money. Now, I'm not saying for one minute that he is poor. Uh, but uh, back in April, Forbes valued his net worth at $1.3 billion. But that only included $17 million in cash and $35 million in stock. And this is based on financial records that he himself sent that could not be independently verified. Uh, Forbes has also suggested he could be in $100 million worth of debt. Now, it may be the case that the Kardashian clan could uh, could help out. But of course, in May, Forbes then published an article accusing uh, Kanye's sister-in-law, Kylie Jenner, of inflating her own wealth. No, that is true, but th- there is a new factor in that, which is in this, which is Kim's net worth in in June 2020 was estimated at about 900 million, and she's just sold a 20% stake in her beauty brand for 200 million. So, if you value, so firstly, she's just had an injection of 200 million dollars. Plus, you've got to factor in, well, okay, the valuation on her beauty business then is pretty high. So in in terms of money to spend on advertising, she's just got very liquid. And the other thing to remember about Kim Kardashian, which people don't, or Kardashian, um, I always say it like the Star Trek villains. I I actually don't know which is which. Which You say Kardashian, Kardashian and Kardashians are the baddies in Deep Space Nine. uh, And also the next generation. But but, uh, the other thing to factor in, though, is is that she is actually very political. She's currently training, uh, she's currently uh, studying for the bar, and has been very involved in um, immigration cases and helping fight immigration cases. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't describe that as very political. And also, it's not part. Well, she's, well, look, it's, she's it's very not party political either. It, it's around a particular issue. Yeah, it's but what you're doing there, to, Joe, that is what I would call like top tier god level. Uh, hair splitting because I didn't say party political I said political and certainly for someone like Kim Kardashian who is by the general observer considered to be you know a woman who got famous because of a porn video um, who has exploited her her family life for years on television she's considered to be quite lightweight by some people but actually the reality is this is a woman who is taking the bar exam it is very serious and and committed to immigration reform. To me, okay, it's not on a party political platform, but that is political. No, no, I, I, I'm not saying it wasn't political. I, and my point was that it wasn't party political, and the reason that is important is because of the importance of a party ticket traditionally in presidential in presidential runs, which goes back to the Trump point. Trump didn't win a majority of the Republican vote in the primary, but because of the uh, of the winner takes all approach to that primary, he was able to uh, to get through. And then, yeah. based on his party endorsement, he was then able to build that coalition of supporters based on uh, anti-establishment voters, some of whom, of course, supported Bernie uh, in the Democratic primary and then switch to voting for Trump in an anti-Hillary position, but also disenfranchised mainly white working class voters for whom Trump did personally appeal. But then, of course, traditional Republicans willing to, quite frankly, hold their nose in order to get a seat on the Supreme Court. 
without a party political platform, it's very difficult to see how you build that, uh, how you build that group. Because it's it's fine saying that uh, uh, saying that. That are, that um, that Kanye or indeed Kim Kardashian have good name recognition, but actually in the general public, in terms of the in terms of the entire electorate, fifty percent of whom roughly will be uh, over the age of uh, over the age of fifty, that's not going to be particularly high recognition. No, okay, and that's fair enough. But the other, th- but but okay, what's the ball game here, right? If we want to go use American, you know idiom for it like this is how i'm going to put a a kind of a hypothesis out to you right and really it's to allow you to shoot this to pieces but say kanye gets on the ballot in a large number of states right and say he polls enough to get on the debate stage right so he's Let's so he's like the black hip hop Ralph Nader at this point. <laughs> uh, An amazing image, right? That is what I think the ball game is this year, right? I don't think he thinks he's going to win, but I don't, and I know that people think I'm dumb for saying this. And fellow, some of your colleague, not colleagues, some of your rivals in the polling industry and the 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 um, research industry. Uh, I've absolutely ripped the piss out of me on Twitter for for me saying I take this run seriously. I take Kanye West as an operator seriously. Now, I think if I were them, and some of them work for firms who have repeatedly pissed themselves in public, I would not necessarily be so committed to thinking that my predictions are always right. Now, what I think is going to happen is I think he's going to get into the debates. And I think the question that you've got around name recognition, I think strategically he's thinking, listen, if I get in the game this year, I can be a spoiler. I can cause a bit of friction. I can get my, I can, he can tailor Swift the election, right? You know, famously he got up at the MTV awards and interrupted, you know, I'm going to let you finish, but I'm going to let you finish, but, you know, um, Beyonce had the best video of all time. Yes, and, and to which uh, Barack Obama himself described uh, uh, Kanye West as a, quote, jackass. Jackass. Yeah, it was a jackass move, right? But it only increased Kanye's record sales. Like, in, in, in my industry, there's such a thing as hate clicks, right? And hate clicks are as powerful as, as, as positive clicks. It doesn't attention in the attention economy. Attention becomes uh, all attention is is basically the same in online terms. Virtually, um, obviously, the second order effects of that attention are different. But that's what I'm saying. That's my prediction. He gets on the stage for the debate. He improves his name recognition. He throws around some interesting ads. He makes some music that goes with this. The other thing I wanted to say on the money side is. What if Elon Musk starts throwing money into this? What if he gets a coalition of the rich? What if this is um, essentially the birthday party, as he's calling it, becomes the entertainment technocracy party? And the Silicon Valley guys, say Peter Thiel gets in there, Elon Musk gets in there, and they use Kanye as a vehicle to uh, do some of the stuff they want to do. 
I don't think they trust Kanye sufficiently to actually put in the kind of money that would be uh, that would be required. I think uh, your point about uh, your point about his wife, uh, his wife Kim, it, having uh, having lots of money is, is fine, assuming that indeed she supports it. But even that, there's uh, there's doubt over whether she would wish to uh, hand over. Uh, even a small chunk of that two hundred million dollars for his uh, for his project remains to be uh, uh, remains to be seen. I have um, a very specific polling question, or, or or something that I don't know if you've if will have been asked or can be measured. But is it possible to have any measure in UK politics or American politics of what I would call the troll vote? Um people whose attitude to politics is they're all the same, so that they would be inclined to vote for a destructive or what would seem to be a, you know, kind of um, anti-establishment type vote. Like they get out to vote just to troll. That's a, that's a really interesting question and one that talks to the difficulties that pollsters had in 2016 with the Trump vote because in uh, in some key states, most notably Wisconsin, what uh, what pollsters were not managing to do was pick up the votes of the type of people who previously had not voted and had indeed been completely turned off by established politics but were often for the first time turning out for um, uh uh, for Donald Trump, and indeed turning out for Brexit in um, in the new because they don't like pollsters. Yeah, that's and that's the difficulty. The difficulty is those people won't talk to anyone, pollsters or uh, or otherwise, and so capturing that is uh, capturing that is difficult. So, what you what's can- your methodology for factoring that in? Like in in the in the last general election, what what was your approach to think? Like, what would you call these? They're not shy Tories. They're like shy anarchists or something like well it's it's actually more broad than that it's people who are people who disenfranchise people who are dissatisfied distrusting and disapproving not just of individual candidates but of political parties generally and indeed the political process generally and capturing Mm -hmm. those people is uh it is difficult and capturing them in sufficient numbers is uh, is tough because it's worth remembering they still make up uh, uh, according to uh, according to all the best estimates, they still make up a very small proportion of the actual electorate. Yeah. In most cases, they actually choose to sit on their hands and not vote at all. Uh, and while that uh, while that group is small, it can have an impact in a very close race such as Wisconsin in 20, uh, 2016, which can then have a disproportionate impact in the overall uh, in the overall result. And, uh, and getting those people is uh, is difficult, but also they're not one homogenous group. And uh, and whereas some, as I say, are are made up of disenfranchised Bernie Bros who were uh, dissatisfied that uh, that Bernie didn't do better against the, Chap- uh, the Chapo constituency. So the Chapo Trap House yeah. constituency, the dirtbag left, as they. Yeah. Would- it, exactly. exactly. Uh, it's made up of those. It's also made up of, uh, of right-wing conspiracy theorists uh, and everything uh, and everything in between. And then you have um, then you have the groups on uh, on who are active on the internet in places like 4chan and 8chan, QAnon uh, obsessives, and and so on and so forth. What's uh, the general trend in 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 the population in general? Like, I, I guess for the UK. And then maybe more broadly, if you if you can answer, but what is the general trend towards conspiracy over? Is there any kind of uh, long term numbers on belief in conspiracy theories in the population? Uh, from what I understand, belief in the in conspiracy theories over time has not actually changed that much. 
uh, in general terms. But what has changed are the conspiracy theories that people believe in, right? Because they tend to uh, they tend to change with the uh, with the times. A, a long-standing conspiracy theories around, uh, and this is not a political one, but uh, but from the world of entertainment, it was around Elvis Presley uh, being dead. Um, yeah, or indeed not being dead. Like <laughs> no. Elvis Presley works in our chip shop. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly, uh, and uh, and that carried on for uh, that carried on for some time. Did you when you were at school? I don't, how, like, well, I don't know what the age difference between us is. It's not much. Um, I'm uh, I'm approaching my twenty uh, second birthday. <laughs> well, I'm thirty six. Yeah, and I'm older than that. I think you're nearing a rounded birthday. I think are you. Uh, or you no, no, I, I'm not. I'm forty two. So uh, okay, you've passed it. You're, so you're the name of. Yeah, that, well, I was thinking you were younger. I thought you were nearer. For, so, yeah, you look young. Um, but anyway, the point being, did you have the conspiracy theory when you were in uh, in school that a pop star, and it was always a different named one, had had their stomach pumped in uh, of uh, human fluids? Yes, yeah. Because, when I was in school, it was Prince. Yeah, because – and then when my uh, – before that, it was Rod Stewart. Before that, it was Elton John. Um Kenny Everett used to get thrown in a bit as well. Yeah, I think it, that's interesting. It's like this it, uh, a very resilient folk um, conspiracy nugget, even. Yeah, and um, and, um, and you see you see trends like that a lot. Either variations within the same conspiracy theory, or simply trends within uh, with conspiracy theories generally. I mean, nineteen uh, nineties, for instance, uh, when the X Files was very popular, conspiracy theories around aliens and uh, and the government being involved in uh, in hiding the information and the Roswell aliens and all that sort of thing that really spiked. Uh, but since do you know the, an do you know an mid two thousands that is fallen. It's fallen right back. Why? Because of camera phones, and so people yeah. can't claim, "Oh, I saw, uh, I saw an alien uh, in the uh, in the sky with the frequency they used to be able to." Because people can say, "Well, did you get a picture?" And they say, "Oh, no, I didn't bother." So I have an interesting one with that, um, and uh, um, listeners can actually read this. Um, I wrote an article for Mel Magazine about, uh, which is online, free to read, um, about the ops, the optic in belief in. The Kurt Cobain was murdered conspiracy theory among uh, Generation Z, Gen Z, because what's happened is there was a film that came out and is available on Netflix called Soaked in Bleach, which put forward those conspiracy theories. Um, and they're the same ones that have been around since very shortly after he died, all peddled by Tom Grant, the private detective who was hired by Courtney Love uh, in the days before his body was found. Now, Look, I've talked to a lot of medical experts, a lot of fr senior forensic experts who all say, you know, uh, the conspiracy theory always hinges on there's no way a drug addict could shoot himself if he had that m many drugs in his system, that that level of drugs in his system. But actually, they could. Uh, you know, I had family. I have had. Unfortunately, I've had family members who who had heroin addictions, and at a certain point, you reach a uh, a tolerance where you can do you can function pretty well. Uh, with an amount of drugs that should put an elephant down. So it's interesting, but it's interesting t for me. I, I, and I, I couldn't find any polling on it actually, but uh, it was interesting to see how Kurt Cobain's death had become, you know, because he's an avatar to them and he wasn't alive when they were alive. Their notion of what he is, what he was and what happened to him is mediated through these conspiracy narratives. 
Uh, yeah, and and a lot of those uh, a lot of those conspiracies tend to be uh, tend to be isolated among very specific uh, very specific groups. In in the case of Kurt Cobain, it'll be a, it'll be a a specific group within uh, within it, within a specific age group. Um, and the, of course, the latest conspiracy theories are around uh, around COVID nineteen and its provenance, and indeed COVID nineteen vaccine. Uh, something that Kanye West himself has uh, has commented on, saying that uh, saying that vaccines are the are the mark of the beast. In now this way. is good, right? Because you've just brought me to where I wanted to get us to for for the to bring us bring us home on this, which is policy platform. Because that is part of his policy platform, but he's back. He's rode back slightly and said he's he is he has doubts about vaccines. So he's already trying to do the political thing of saying I'm not totally an anti-vaxer, um, but he he he's got vaccine skepticism in his uh, policy platform, as it were. Uh, yeah, and and his policy platform, although although there are elements, uh, although there are elements to it, he he has been very vague on things like uh, foreign affairs, on taxation, and and so on and so forth. The I old, think his policy platform is 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 is. Uh, well, let let me see. I'm going to characterize it, and then you can tell me whether you feel that this is an accurate characterization. I I believe that his policy platform is mainly focused on technology, education. And prison reform, like I'd say, those are the three pillars of the Kanye West um, policy platform. And I would say that that those policies have been evident in his music for well since his first record, but particularly evident on the song "Power," which is on um, my beautiful dark fantasy, where he, he says the lines: "The system's broken, the schools closed, the prisons are open." Right? And I think in that one line, you get a very clear sense of of what he if he is to become a politician, what his main what his main obsession with is, which is with inequality, with unfairness towards um, people of colour particularly, and with the notion that the school system doesn't serve modern times and that mass incarceration uh, is America's biggest issue. Uh, yeah, I, I would I would agree with uh, with that assessment, but I would say that. Above that, if you like, is this is uh, an overarching uh, an overarching policy approach based on uh, based on what he describes as uh, as God. Uh, his uh, and I assume it's uh, I don't I don't know too much about his specific religious beliefs, but I assume it's a Christian. Uh, uh, it's kind of pseudo Baptist, right? Okay, so so a pseudo Baptist platform that that in turn informs all of these. Uh, uh, all of these things, and uh, there's one and other aspect though that's worth bringing in. So he he has been very successful as a fashion designer um, and creator of shoes. Right, the Yeezy shoe is uh, by any measure up there with the Air Jordan in terms of um, dollar for dollar success as in a in in the in the in the sneaker world. And what he is expressing is he's saying. What's worked well here is I've worked with designers and I've run a design studio and he has proved he can do that. But his contention is he would turn the White House and policy creation into a system that works in that way. Uh, so that policy is driven in the way a design agency or a design studio would drive product creation. And I think, you know, have that is something that people have tried and put forward quite a lot. I mean, certainly I feel like the Blair years 
and that kind of technocratic approach has something of that about it. And of course, policy heads that I talk to, and I'm sure I'm sure you can speak to this better than me, say that's not a very realistic way of looking at policy because the public sector in any country doesn't really work with the speed or alacrity of uh, a private sector organization where you have total control. Uh, yeah, and I think that that's one of the areas where I, I would agree that uh, that that is the problem with such a policy approach, and and indeed that's the that's the difficulty that one of the difficulties that Donald Trump has uh, has run into. It is always more uh, always more complicated than that. But also, I would say I don't I I'm not sure that Kanye West's policy platform, even on those areas around technology, prison reform, etc., has been as well thought out as uh, as you perhaps give him credit for. He has in in the Forbes article also talked about how he wants to run the uh, uh, run the White House like uh, like Wakanda from uh, from Black Panther. Now, and see, so, I think that's good. Uh, I well, think that's good. I think that would appeal to a very small but niche, a very small and niche uh, me, element but, of his fans. Rather, but let than me defend that for a second. Let me defend that for a second because uh, do you know why I think that's good? I think that the notion that looking to fiction or um, structures that we see in fiction is a necessarily a silly thing to do. I don't. No, no, I, I would agree. I would agree. He's using because what he. What he a powerful thing he has is he's a compelling speaker. He is a genius at metaphor and analogy. You know, it, whatever people say about Kanye West, it is abundantly clear that he is a uh, 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 preternaturally gifted at, at with words and with creating, uh, you know, concepts that spread. Right. And in, in the modern in the context we're in now, I think that actually makes him quite a powerful potential politician. He's just not quite there yet. I think in some ways I don't. Then this is where I'm arguing actually your side of this debate. I don't see who is David Axelrod is. Or no, if he'd I, allow himself to have one. Yeah, I, I just don't see uh, to, to go back to the logistical side of things. I just I just don't see where this. Uh, uh, where this collection of uh, of people that are always needed comes from, and who they would uh, who they would turn to, and let me address the Wakanda thing though. I got, I, I got off the Wakanda thing slightly. For me, I think it's a, a powerful analogy because I think what what he's uh, what I I get from that, and and this may be my projection of it, but is is that he is saying I believe that technology can be better harnessed. And that it should be better integrated into our society, and that access. I I think in some ways it's a weird mashup of his p policy platform is a weird mashup of hardcore Republican evangelical Christian tropes. So the stuff around abortion, the stuff around um, uh, school stuff like that, but also with almost a pseudo Marxist element in the sense that he's almost a prison abolitionist, though not quite that far. And he sees, he's kind of arguing, we'll put it this way, I think universal basic income would be in a fully-fledged policy platform of his if he, put, if, he, if, if, they, if he gets as far as us having a website where we go to it and it's Kanye 2020, I think he's going to go, say, UBI. He's going to go... Um, getting more technology in the hands of poor communities. He's going to talk a lot about arts funding and, and getting 
uh, young people of all colors to have access to art, music, science, that kind of stuff. And I think that's what the Wakanda thing means. And I think it articulates it to people who could get passionate about it and then could be translated into a more generalized and easy to swallow message for a broader electorate. Uh, I, I think you're, I think Maybe you're, you should hire me, Joe. I think you're reaching there. I th- I think uh, I think that is an interpretation, but I think we have no guarantee that it is actually the interpretation. And the reason we have no guarantee is because there seems to be a lot of inconsistency with his uh, with his but thoughts. Don't you his, think that Trump had an inconsistent platform? Sorry. Trump had an inconsistent platform. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Trump had an inconsistent platform. What he also had was the, uh, uh, was the support of the Republican Party. And what that allowed him to do was have an inconsistent platform to appeal to his, uh, to his base, who really didn't care about the specifics. They were just interested in the anti-establishment change candidate, while at the same time appealing to traditional Republicans who would turn around and say, Oh, okay. Well, actually, we don't care what his platform is because we just want a Republican in the White House uh, to get uh, more judges on the Supreme Court, and so he could build uh, he could build that sort of uh, that sort of coalition. But uh, but this goes back to the distinction between being political and party political. I think if uh, if Kanye West wanted to use a run for president as a way of boosting support for the specific areas that you've talked about, particularly prison reform, if he wanted to do that as a boost for those things that he believed in uh, and that his wife reportedly believes in, if he wanted to do that and at the same time sell a few records, then I think that's a perfectly reasonable, though still difficult, pathway for him to uh, for him to achieve. If, however, he is looking for actual political power and indeed to win i mean uh, uh, at the very at the very worst if he wants to achieve uh, the balance of power and at best if he wants to win then i just don't see how this uh, this platform uh, provides him with that right i, I so uh, bring this to a close there's two things i want to do one is look i think our point of agreement is kanye west isn't going to be president in 2021 right but I think Kanye West, but I think Kanye West agrees with us on that as well. But uh, where yeah, I, at the moment he may, tomorrow he might not. Yeah, but where I think we diverge is, I am willing, also because I'm not a professional pollster. So really, if I make predictions, I'm making them with the caveat that I'm a journalist and I have a natural inclination towards the dramatic and interesting answer rather than the. Uh, statistical or you know numerical uh, truth, as ex- you know expressed in poll. I think that Kanye West has a strong opportunity to be president at the end of the twenty twenty four election, and I think that the world is so unmoored now that. In a world where the French ended up electing an independent as president, and look, I accept that the French political system is a lot more unusual and 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 open to that kind of third party run than the American system. I think it could happen, and you know, I, I'm willing to say that I I think not only could Kanye be president in 2024, I I think there's a chance that he could be a candidate on a established uh, party's roster that they could get so desperate that they go, do you know what? We're going to take him on as our candidate. 
Because I think Joe Biden will lose to Donald Trump this year. Well, with the with the world in such flux, I don't think we can rule anything out for 2024. But having said that, I think it I think it's very very unlikely that uh, uh, that will uh, that will be the case. I think it's I think it's very easy when thinking about these things, and, and you talk about the uh, the leaning towards the dramatic. I think it's very easy in such circumstances to confuse noise with volume. Yeah, uh, and uh, and to recognise that uh, that while someone may generate an awful lot of uh, an awful lot of noise, uh, and indeed while their supporters may generate an awful lot of noise, that doesn't necessarily mean that those supporters are numerous. But uh, wouldn't you wouldn't you also say that that uh, well here's a this is probably a bit of a pointed question, and I have to say that I find your analysis a lot more compelling than most people in your industry, and I think that you tend to express your analysis in a way that makes you come off as much less of an asshole than a lot of people in your industry. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you that. I'll put that. That can go on the poster. Joe Twyman, much less of an asshole. But it seems to me that pollsters have this thing, and it, it's also a problem in my industry with, with um, what's-his-face, uh, Ezra Klein. Um, uh, the, they trumpet their successes when they call it right, they really trumpet their successes, but then very good at quickly forgetting when they just get the numbers wrong or where they get the analysis wrong. And I'm quite tired, really, with pollsters, particularly uh, in recent times, you know, Brexit being one of the most obvious ones. Many, many pollsters called it so, so wrong. And for me, we whatever black swan events are happening more often now to an extent that you go, well, that whole black swan thing doesn't really work because a lot of the established rules, they just keep not applying. Um, but, but hang, hang on. You, you, say we got, you say we got Brexit very, very... No, no, no. I didn't say you all did. No, no, I no. no most when, did. When, even, even taking the most extreme examples, even taking the most extreme examples of getting things very, very wrong, uh, we're talking about being out by plus or minus five points. Uh, what we're not talking about is being out by 30 points. And uh, and the 2016 election is uh, is a good example. But, does, but Joe, does that matter? Like, if you say, right, uh, for instance, if you say the Conservatives will get a thumping majority, right? No, you didn't do that. But I'm just saying if someone said that, right, and then the Conservatives don't, and in fact... Uh, you know, end up having to go into coalition, for instance, or lose seats. It is it is appealing to it is appealing for you to make the argument. Well, we were only out by a little bit, but our system means that you know. I mean, look, you can look at the figures and go. Well, actually, Jeremy Corbyn got a decent amount of votes in that previous election, but he didn't get the right amount of votes in the right places, so he ended up losing heavily. But on, absolutely, you, you I, I agree that, that there are there are different ways of interpreting. It. My point is that when when we go into an election campaign, uh, and let's say we have the Conservatives ahead of uh, ahead of Labour, and then we have Lib Dems right far back, it's never the case that the Lib Dems suddenly surge to uh, suddenly right. surge to the overall victory. And to bring things back to this particular example that we're talking about. Uh, yes, the polls may be uh, in certain circumstances wrong, but they're not wrong to the extent that would mean that uh, any polling around Kanye West would not suggest that he was able to uh, to win. 
it's the. But, it, but then the other, I guess, the last thing is to say: Is it feasible that a third party candidate could shift the polls? Shift the polls in in, in what sense? Shift to to surge to start uh, to, to start to move the polls. Like obviously, right now it doesn't seem serious. But but what I'm saying is, if he gets on the ballot in a in a significant number of places, right, and if in that polling when he's actually when people know he's going to be on the ballot, he say polls, he's polling at 10%, say, suddenly he does really big damage to the overall election. Are we talking about, 25th, uh, are we talking about uh, 2020? Or I'm talking now. I'm saying mm -hmm. him as a spoiler candidate. I don't think he can win, but can't he do damage to either to one side or the other? In order, in order to damage one side or the other, he has to be uh, on the ballot. Being a write-in candidate simply. No, I'm is, but what I'm saying is, he's still got a know. chance to be on the ballot in a, a significant number of. You know, well, is, is California off the board yet? Uh, well, he said that, that's an interesting question. He says he will decide in the next thirty days. Yeah, the next thirty days will take you to the sixth of August. Right. Uh, by that stage, if he hasn't, if he's not on the ballot by the sixth of, if he hasn't declared rather than filed with the FEC by the sixth of August, that means he's missed out on uh, means he's missed out on thirty one of the fifty. Well, states. he's not doing it if he hasn't declared. By then, then it's not happening. Sorry, well, if he hasn't declared by then, it's not happening, and we yeah, know. So, so California, California is the seventh of August. Uh, and so if he gets on by the end of July, he still will have missed out on 239 of the, uh, uh, of the Electoral College votes. But, but in a sense, it doesn't, that doesn't really matter because the election will be decided in six states. It's going to be decided by Arizona, Florida, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Yeah. He's already missed the ballot for North Carolina. He will miss the ballot... Unless he can file by the 15th of July, he will miss Florida. Okay. The deadline is the 16th of July in Michigan. So, so if, he doesn't, if he doesn't register by the 16th of July, he's missed those three key states. Fair enough. So, but what I'm saying is uh, this is like a quite a simple one-sentence answer question because it's hard to get a one-sentence answer out of a pollster. You just, you're, you're conceptually incapable of it, which I understand. Well, I think there are certain circumstances where that's the case, and others where it's not. Because, well, because you live in a in a, in an industry where it's important to caveat everything. Yes, yeah, that, that was my joke. Yeah, I know, but I do too. You know, it's important as a journalist if you do your job properly to provide caveats. A lot of my colleagues don't, but they should. But what I would say is what I what I'm interested in is Joe. All things being equal, if he gets in, can he shift the gravity of the race at all? I think it's hugely unlikely. Okay. I think because uh, will the it only... be entertaining. Sorry, but will it be entertaining? It, it yeah. could potentially. It could potentially be entertaining, and I'm not. Uh, I'm not denying that. Though, and can he get in the debates? For me, it's interesting if he could get in the debates, even if the electoral math doesn't work. Maths, because I'm not American. Even if the electoral math don't work. For me, if he gets on the debate stage, then suddenly my contention about 2024. That's you know, but obviously, both of the establishment campaigns will hammer hard the debates c committee, you know, commission to make sure he doesn't get in there. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think I think it becomes more interesting if he gets on the uh, gets on the debate stage, and and indeed that's that's one of the things that uh, that proved so popular for Ross Perot in '92. Uh, but I don't think he will get on the debate stage. I think the uh, I think 
the, the various rules and regulations that are in place on that ultimately come down then to the broadcasters and the broadcasters have to uh, have to play ball with the candidates yeah and uh, and I just I just don't see them uh, see them endorsing right uh, endorsing final, his presence final question um, w- jump forward to 2024 and if you and I are sat like hopefully in the same room having this converse, this conversation again, do you anticipate if he stayed political throughout the term of the next president and, and he's, you know, he's built a super PAC, you know, well not built a super PAC. He has a super PAC supporting him. He's built a ground campaign of some nature. Do you shift and start to say, well, maybe he could do it? I think he has to, over the next four years, not just become political, but be party political. Yeah, and build an organisation is what I'm saying. And, and, you know, for me, I think he's a Republican. I, yeah, I think I think he has to. Well, and, and I would agree. I think he has to be aligned with a political party in order to actually have a have any kind of shot at the presidency. The obvious one from from what he's saying is the Republicans and the Republicans won't vote for him in a primary. So I can't see it. Uh, so I can't see it happening. Fair enough. And I, you know, I think unlike, say, a Today program segment where we would like be set up to massively disagree uh, within this, I, I'm, I'm broad. You know, I'm broadly uh, convinced that you are right. But of course, a Kanye-type character could very well emerge over the next four years, you, and that's you know, much you know, wider. wider. The, the rapper that I think could be president but wouldn't want to do it uh, is Jay Z. Um, Jay Z running as a Democrat ticket, uh, I think. Um, I think if again, if he spent the next four years concentrating on a party political platform, I don't think that's out uh, outside the realms of possibility. But, but the so, thing I, is, I think Beyonce has a better chance. Uh, well, yeah, oh, Beyonce. Also, and I don't. Mean, I, I don't mean that in a dismissive way. I genuinely think she has a better chance. No, she just has more power. She has more. She is. A, she. She would be uh, if she was going to run to be the first female president. With the power base, name recognition, money, and everything that she has, she, she would, as they say, slay. But I don't think she'd want to do it. And the reason is because I think Jay-Z and Beyonce understand that they have greater power than the presidency. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's why a lot, of, uh, a lot of people don't get involved in, in politics generally and party p- politics particularly because they, because they recognize that, uh, and this is true at many levels of society. It's a gilded cage. Yeah, and it restricts what you can do. Uh, I, that's the problem, I think. I think that people mistake and think that the president has a lot of latitude for movement, but he, they don't. And that was Trump's miscomprehension of it. I think. I think that he thought he executive power meant the same as chief executive power in private sector, and it just doesn't. Yeah, uh, I think that that's one of uh, it's one of a number of mistakes. <laughs> oh well, I mean that's a, you know that is a whole different story. But thank you uh, again, Joe, for being the first guest on the Conquest of the Useless podcast. Um, it's been good. Uh, yeah, I'm willing to say I, 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 you've convinced me. I don't think he'll win either now or then uh, for any number of reasons. Um, but that said, if in some future time he got on a republic he the, he could get the republicans to vote for him i think he he could become president but i don't think that'll happen <laughs>
I think we're uh, I think we're in we're in agreement. <laughs> Imagine that. Thank you very much. You can uh, find Joe on Twitter where he is uh, Joe Twyman, which makes it very simple. Uh, the uh, company of which Joe is the co-founder is Delta Pole. Um, I do genuinely mean that I, I I like to look at their analysis. It is uh, usually pretty on the money. Uh, so check that out. And uh, thank you again, Joe. Thank you. Cheers.